Praise the Lord, church. It's a privilege and an honor to share the word with us today. I'm grateful to God for his grace, to my husband and our children for their support, to Pastor Don and Miss Amy for this opportunity and also for the investment they made in my life for many, many years. Welcome to Mirrors, part three. Let's start by looking at our key scripture, Philippians 1, verse 27 to 28 in the ESV version. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. We could say in our current circumstances, whether we come together in corporate services or we stay in touch via cell, text, calls, church at home, let us keep standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side, not frightened by anything. Now, last week we looked at standing firm. Today we will look at the portion that says, in one spirit, with one mind. In preparing for this, I asked some teens and young adults, the Bible says we should stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, what do you think that means? Here are some of their answers. We should have common values without losing our individuality. We should love each other. We should be close. We should be on the same page. We should have one mind in how we go about our day-to-day -day business. We should be in agreement about core issues. We should value what the Holy Spirit says above culture, personal opinion, or our preferences. Those are some good answers there, right? What about the word of God? What does our mirror say? The one we can count on to tell us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. The ESV version we just read from says, standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Other translations say, stand firm, united in spirit. Stand united, singular in vision. Standing firm in united spirit and purpose. Firmly united in spirit. Stand united in one spirit and one passion. Being in one spirit with one mind is about being united in spirit, vision, purpose, and passion. Ephesians 4, verse 4 and 6 puts it this way. You are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Why is our oneness, our unity so important? Four reasons. Number one, it is good, it is pleasant and wonderful when we get along with each other. Psalms 133 says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Life is just more fun and more enjoyable that way. Secondly, God bestows his blessing where there is unity. Psalms 133 again. There the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Thirdly, it's for our own growth and maturity as believers. Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. And fourthly, 
it testifies to the world that Jesus is who he claims to be. Jesus prayed for us in John 17, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Now, before we delve further into this subject, there's something we need to consider. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, does it mean we become cookie cutter Christians, clones, robots who have no mind of their own? No. Does it mean we become exactly the same? No. Do we lose our uniqueness and our individuality? No. If we go back to Ephesians 4, verse 6 and 7 in the message say, everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Settled? We do not lose our personal flavor. Each of us is still unique. It is not an unhealthy dependence on one another. We still have to take personal responsibility for our choices, our decisions, our attitudes. On the other hand, we are not to be independent of one another. We need each other on the same road, going in the same direction. It's a healthy interdependence. Each of us doing our part for the good of the whole. All of us doing life together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We are like an orchestra. Yes, we play different instruments, but each instrument is important and it is needed. We look to one conductor and we play in harmony, in one spirit, with one mind. Now that we are all on the same page, let us look more intently in our mirror. We learned from Misemi in part one of this series to fix our thoughts on the Bible, give careful consideration to it. We need to reflect on God's word so that we learn how to live as citizens who reflect the good news about Christ. Let's look at what it means to stand in one spirit. The word spirit in this verse is the Greek word pneuma, and it means breath, wind, efficient source of power, affection, emotion, desire, the disposition or influence which fills and governs the soul of anyone. Habitual or temporary disposition of mind. For example, someone has a gentle spirit, or someone has a mean spirit. When we talk about disposition, we are talking about prevailing tendency, my inclination. From pneuma, we get the English word pneumatic. That means something that's moved or worked by air pressure, something that's adapted for holding or to be inflated with compressed air. You know, like the paint sprayer we use on cars, that is a pneumatic machine. It's powered, it's worked with, compressed air. For us to be in one spirit, A, we need to be powered by the same breath, the same wind, the same source. We need to be filled with and stay plugged into the Holy Spirit. He is our efficient source of power. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. The power, the ability to be witnesses, to live as citizens who reflect the good news about Christ. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Now let me show you something. I hold in my hands a light bulb. It's not worth much on its own, yeah? It's not very useful. 
But if I put it into the right light fixture, it gives off light. Now imagine many of these little bulbs plugged into one chandelier and a whole room lights up. That's what happens when you and I are powered by the Holy Spirit. Our light shines and it brings glory to God. B, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to govern our lives. Allow him to lead you to be the prevailing influence in your life and lifestyle. Influence is powerful. I grew up in a home where when a visitor walked in, my mom would greet them, offer them a seat, and then turn to one of us and say, hey, so-and-so, please make this guest a cup of tea. Now, fast forward to today. If you come to our home, the same scenario is likely to play out. I will greet you, welcome you, offer you a seat, and then turn to one of my kids, hey, so-and-so, please make this guest a cup of tea. That's called influence. It's become part of my lifestyle. As a believer, I should adapt to being the temple of the Holy Spirit and allow him to govern how I conduct myself. Romans 8 reminds us, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If each of us will take personal responsibility and allow the Holy Spirit to govern, each of us saying like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. It will be possible for all of us to stand firm in one spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us, teach us, and remind us of the things we've learned in God's word. Our part is to listen and to obey. So how will I know whether I'm plugged into the Holy Spirit? How will I know whether I'm allowing him to govern my life? Good question. Let's go to our mirror and use it to inspect ourselves. Galatians 5.22, TLB, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Remember last week, Pastor Fighter taught us to look at the mirror often and to look carefully. So when you read the Bible, go about your daily life, pray, ask the Holy Spirit, Please teach me, correct me, rebuke me, train me in righteousness. We've looked at what it's like to stand firm in one spirit. Let's look at standing firm with one mind. The Greek word for mind in that scripture is suke, meaning the seat of the feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. It's where we get the English word psyche. We are talking about our affections, appetites, desires, passions, priorities, feelings, beliefs, opinions, attitudes, the things we are psyched up about. In real life, how does this work? How do we get to operate with one mind? Let's do some ABCs, D and E. A, allow the Bible to shape your worldview. First Peter 2.2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. New King James says, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Have you ever heard of the saying, you are what you eat? 
crave, desire, and feed on God's word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. The Bible should shape and form our beliefs, priorities, opinions, and attitudes. If we feed consistently on the word of God, we will grow in Christ-likeness. B, beware of deceptive philosophy and human tradition. Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. No matter how clever and convincing it sounds, if it disagrees with God's word, it simply isn't true. As Pastor Don encouraged us earlier this year, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. C, consider what you give attention to and whose company you keep. 2 Timothy 2.22, give positive attention to goodness, faith, love, and peace in company with all those who approach God in sincerity. What are my priorities? What am I giving attention to? Who am I giving attention to? We will pay more attention to that next week. D, do not engage in pointless discussions. We do not have to be part of every argument. We don't have to be part of every conversation. First Timothy 6.20, Timothy, guard the good news which has been entrusted to you. Turn away from pointless discussions and the claims of false knowledge that people use to oppose the Christian faith. Ask yourself, I need to ask myself, how is this discussion feeding my faith or my mind or my heart? Last but not least, E, empower the next generation. Psalm 78, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. We need to learn it, live it, and pass it on to the next generation. We need to invest in the spiritual lives of those coming after us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for what you have taught us today. I pray that we will continue learning how to live in accordance with what the Holy Spirit desires. I pray that we will conform to your ways, that we will grow in oneness and give attention to what pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.